Welcome to episode 135 of the GT on 5G. It's the latest inside scoop on everything 5G. We typically cover six topics in 20 minutes, and it's brought to you by More Insights and Strategy. But this week, Anshul and I are going to do a special episode with our expectations for Mobile World Congress 2023. So you and I will both be there next week. Uh, there's been a lot of pre-announcement activity that's been going on over the last two weeks. So that sort of sets the precedent or the foundation for our podcast this week. But one of my big expectations is about network slicing. And so recently, Cradlepoint and Ericsson announced a proof of concept where they demonstrated network slicing with respect to application deployment and distributed environments. And I spoke with executives recently. This is a very complicated endeavor, mapping applications to slices, especially in distributed environments with SD-WAN. And I'm expecting to hear a lot more about this from Ericsson and Cradlepoint, but from other infrastructure providers as well. So I'm wondering, what are you, what's your take on all that? Yeah, I think I, I definitely have a little bit more of a device-centric slant. For me, it feels like there's going to be a lot of Chinese OEMs at the show announcing their European and global launches of their devices. In the last few years, there's been a trend of Chinese OEMs launching devices in December and January ahead of the Chinese New Year, and then announcing their global and European launches for the rest of the world at MWC. So you're getting Xiaomi. You're getting Oppo, you're getting Honor, you're getting OnePlus. You're getting all of the big Chinese OEMs showing what they've launched over the last month or two and generally announcing their availability for the rest of the world. And that said, not all of these launches are going to be targeted towards the U.S. In fact, I would say most of them are not. Most of them are targeted towards Europe. And MWC being a European show, that makes perfect sense. I know us Americans will get to get excited about devices that we may not get, which is, has been quite a sad phase of what's going on in our, there are going to be some technologies that will find their way in the U.S. Nubia, ZTE working together with a company called Leia to make a 3D tablet with a, a tablet with a 3D display, but also 3D cameras so you can capture and view videos in 3D and it looks really incredible, at least from what I've heard. And I'll be checking that out and I will actually be reviewing that. Um, so hopefully I'll be able to show the US version of that, which will not be a ZTE product. But Nubia will also be showing their AR glasses. So there's a lot going on the consumer side, a lot of devices, lots of demos from Qualcomm and MediaTek. It's, you know, I have a, a lot of things to do and see at the show. Yeah. And you and I will almost never see each other during that entire duration. You're right. Yeah. I'll be focused on the infrastructure, the players, and you get the cool stuff. You get the devices, all the AR, VR, and all of that. And certainly it's, you know, what's fun about this event is just being able to walk the fear, be able to meet these companies and see these demos and that sort of thing. It's going to be super exciting from my perspective. We've seen some announcements from MediaTek and Qualcomm, right? Recently leading up to the show. And this is a strategy from a lot of these vendors. They'll pre-announce before the show to build momentum. And then there may be some follow-on announcements at Mobile World Congress next week when you and I are both there. But do you have any back on some of the pre-briefing? And a lot of the stuff's under embargo, obviously, but is there anything that you can share from like an end device perspective 
that you've been pre-briefed on that maybe the embargo is already lifted? Yeah. So today, Qualcomm announced that Stable Diffusion, which is a very popular AI application for image generation using text descriptions, they have that now running on smartphone. So it doesn't to send that data to the cloud and receive it back. They're able to run this entirely on the smartphone and yeah. do it within seconds as opposed to minutes or hours. So the performance is very similar to what you would get on the cloud, but using your own device and your own performance. And that's a big deal because it shows the performance that Qualcomm is able to achieve on device and enable developers to offload a lot of that today's cloud AI rendering and inference to the device side, which improves security, privacy, and can potentially improve speed as AI acceleration improves and, and the models get optimized. In addition to that, Qualcomm also announced an app called Qualcomm Aware, and that's their IoT application for industrial IoT. And it's a complete solution, for connectivity, services, APIs, the whole shtick, it's a whole thing. Yeah. And then MediaTek also just announced, actually go live when we published this, that they are going to have, that they've announced an actual chipset that will be powering all the satellite 5G that they have. It's actually, it has a name. It's the MT6825, and it's actually a standalone chip specifically for satellite communications. So it's like something that you can just add on to any SOC. Obviously, it would most likely be a MediaTek SOC, but that's not exclusive. And it's interesting because it's not necessarily the same approach as other companies are taking as opposed to having it integrated into the modem, but it's also 3GPP and TN release 17 compliant. So it's actually more universally applicable to what the future of 5G satellite will be than some of these proprietary applications. Right. And I think they will also be demonstrating that with their partner Bullet, who will have both the Motorola DeFi 2, as well as the cat phone, I forget, I think it's S75 or something like that. But it's interesting because they will be able to also show this hotspot that you can Bluetooth to an iOS or an Android device that will give you satellite two-way messaging, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know if, I don't know if anybody else offers that today. It's a, uh, it's an interesting thing and I'll definitely be checking that out at the show. And then on top of that, MediaTek also announced the new SOC, which is the Dimensity 7200. They've been costing announcements out there just like Qualcomm. Yeah. The Dimensity 7200 is interesting because it's a new tier of SOC that they haven't had before. They have the 9000 series at the top, then they have the 8000 below that. And then there was the 1000 series, which was like the old naming scheme they had. So yeah. now they're adding the 7000 series, which will sit between the 1000 and 1000, but it still uses all of the latest cores from ARM and the latest. TSMC 4 nanometer second generation fabrication process. So it should be very power efficient and be very popular for mid-tier devices. I'm super impressed. MediaTek really over the last year, they really filled out their product roadmap and they were always a value player to Qualcomm, but like now they've got mid-range and higher-end solutions and they're really giving Qualcomm a run for their money. And it's good. I always talk about this. Competition breeds innovation. And so I think it's a good thing for the industry. But with that said, my, my next expectation really is around private cellular. And there's been a lot of hype around this and like 
how the private cellular with its ultra low latency, especially with 5G, can really do some things that are very disruptive relative to Wi-Fi when you look at manufacturing automation, tactile robotic control, and that sort of thing. And this week, Solona announced that it is expanding its footprint. It's been really primarily a U.S. player, and now it's going global. So I spoke with the CEO recently, and they're hiring sales staff, they're building a channel to really expand into Europe and really take their private 5G in a box global. And I think it's a wise strategy. There are lots of routes to private cellular networking. I've talked about that on prior podcasts, but I really do think another big theme, we talked about network slicing earlier, but another big theme from an infrastructure perspective will be around private cellular. I'm expecting to hear some new news from Nokia as well as they're maturing their portfolio and certainly Cisco. I'm expecting, I can't really talk about it right now, but although the embargo may break when this podcast posts, but there will be a strategic announcement with a company that many people are familiar with on expanding Cisco's presence within private networking. Would love to get your insights and thoughts and maybe what the connection is to what you focus on with AR, VR, and devices. Yeah, I'm really interested in what's what the, I think we talked about this podcast ago, but we haven't actually had a chance to see it because it's not MWC yet, but I'm really excited to see that Ericsson Intel of partnership on standalone 5G with a PC yes. using network slicing. Cause I think that's like the, uh, that's like application that brings together all of the possible components and creates a solution that I believe will be a huge boost to 5G adoption yeah. and increase its use within the enterprise. Because truthfully, I think a lot of consumers are fairly justified in their, their, lack of interest in 5g because realistically to today most consumers aren't really seeing that much of a difference in their experience as a cellular user applications haven't changed right they're marginally faster and in some places they're slower because the transition to mid-band for some carriers so i think that there will be big change in the way 5g is perceived i'm not sure if that'll happen on the consumer side right away but if we do see this network slicing application really take hold with standalone networks finally becoming a thing i really believe that this one could be a, a great application for us to see in person experience it because you know i personally have an optimal network solution at home i'm getting three milliseconds over wi-fi gigabit per second in each direction mm -hmm. that's very difficult to achieve outside of a very controlled environment. And guess what? Even I have challenges because yesterday I was trying to stream, I was trying to download all of my PSVR 2 titles to my PS5. I was doing a virtual VR conference and I had issues with interference. Not every, no. there's a lot more work that needs to be done with QoS and enabling better Wi-Fi and cellular interactions believe that private networking and network slicing is going to be the key that unlocks a lot of potential. I agree. And it's a journey. You know, I talk about this all the time. It's the 5G deployment is a journey and the mobile network operators have probably gotten ahead of the hype cycle and people are asking themselves like, what's really transformative, but really the true promise of 5G gets unlocked with standalone. That's marrying the core 5G infrastructure with 5G RAN. 
and network slicing. To your point, quality of service and business environments, also things like guaranteed latency levels for cloud gaming, mobile gaming, and that sort of thing. And it's a journey in the U.S. Mobile's been first to, to SA in their low band, but they're focused on their mid-band build-out. And as we've talked about also in prior podcasts, mid-band is the best balance of performance and propagation. It's going to take time. And AT&T and Verizon are not too far behind with C-band and Romano build-outs. And I think Vodafone's clearly a leader in Europe with, with building, getting closer to standalone. We started this journey how many years ago has it been, man? It's almost five years now, right? It's, it depends how you it depends how you count it. But I would say from first 5G network deployment in 2019 to today, we are oh. almost at four years. Yeah, it's been yeah. a while. It's been a while. So it's a journey. Uh, we've got another six or seven years because these Gs tend to be about a decade in duration. But yeah, I'm super excited to see all this come together. And I really... The other thing that I'm really excited about this Global World Congress is that last year you and I were there with our chief analyst, Pat, Patrick Moorhead. It was, it was well attended, not at the levels that it's been in the past. I really do think 2023 will be the year we're past COVID, we're past having to like provide vaccination cards and that sort of thing. And I'm really expecting there to be great momentum there. People are going to show up and it's going to be super exciting. But with that said, my third thought around my expectation around Global World Congress will be and I'm going to caveat this because artificial intelligence, there's a lot of whitewashing going on there. Everyone claims that like it's one of these very esoteric concepts like the cloud for some people. I think the promise of artificial intelligence is in the ability for it to do intelligent things from an automation perspective. And these new 5G networks are going to require automation for fast provisioning and we're already seeing some of this happen with Apple and Apple moving to eSIM on the iPhone in the U.S. And I think that will become a pervasive extension globally, but it comes down to intelligent automation. And we've talked about 6G in the past and how AI may be a part of that. But what I'm really expecting to see are some very tangible demonstrations of how machine learning and artificial intelligence can really power automation to do some pretty powerful things when you start talking about 5G as a service. Cisco has talked about their solution. There will be announcements at Mobile World Congress where Cisco will be enhancing their portfolio. AWS, Azure, they have 5G as a service solutions as well. And AI is going to be a big part of that. So one of my big expectations, I'm hoping to see some real practical applications of machine learning and AI with respect to the infrastructure layer, but I'm going to, I'm going to toss it back to you because you are end device expert and our VRAR expert. Where do you think AI infused with 5G can really change the user experience from that end device perspective? I will answer your question after I say that you reminded <laughs> me that T-Mobile and Amazon asked that they were going to work together on 5G advanced network solutions. That's right. Oh, that was and I didn't mention that because I tweeted that out earlier this week. So thank you for mentioning. That was two days ago. And that's basically deploying AWS solutions for T-Mobile's private 5G station. So I think T-Mobile might be the first one to take AWS solution for this application. Yeah. But it's really interesting because AWS is the leader in this space and they have a lot of experience on the edge. So 
I think there's a really big uplift that T-Mobile gets by partnering with AWS in this. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how it works itself out over the course of the year, because I think we both agreed that T-Mobile's edge capabilities were a bit weak when it comes to 5G private and non-private applications. So I think that partnering with Amazon is a big deal. We'll probably see some of that at the show. I know Neville will be speaking at the Deutsche Telekom booth. I'm not sure if I'll be able to make it because I've already, I'm double booked during that slot. Hopefully I'll at least be able to say hi. I think we might even have a separate meeting with Neville on privately. Um, But yeah, I think uh, your question that you asked me, it's really interesting because I've been watching AI infuse itself into the VR and AR space for quite some time now. Most of the head tracking and location mapping and a lot of the object detection, that's all AI accelerated and it actually has been for years. It's really funny because now people are paying way more attention to AI, but the reality is AI had to be implemented years ago for it to work right. right. And those algorithms are getting better over time. They're becoming more power efficient. The hardware is becoming more fixed function for those yeah. capabilities. So actually there's a couple of generations of Qualcomm's AR, XR, VR hardware that goes into headsets. The majority of headsets use our chipsets. And most of those headsets have these fixed function capabilities for AI built into the ISP, built into the GPU. So there's a lot of AI acceleration already built into the hardware for a lot of these devices. So it's being used for vision applications because... That's where they have a lot of experience, but I will say, and we've heard this with X75 and I think we're going to continue to see it with MediaTek. They have some demos at MWC that they'll be showing. Yeah. Yeah. Accelerated 5G modems. Qualcomm said that their modem is going to be two and a half times faster for inference. And it's, people don't really fully comprehend the modem has its own tensor cores, its own ability to do inference separate from the GPU, separate from the ISP, separate from the DSP. Right. So you have AI already actively coexisting along with the 5G capabilities, but now we're going to start seeing on-device AI and then infrastructure side AI, and then those talking to each other to improve signal, battery life, and performance. There's a lot of AI that's getting infused. And I saw a lot of that from a lot of companies and it'll be really interesting to see what Qualcomm will be demoing as well as MediaTek at the show specifically with AI and 5G. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned X75 as a Qualcomm solution that we've talked about on our prior podcast, but yeah, it's, it's exciting. And to your point, this has been, AI has been maturing. It requires huge data sets to train the models and that sort of thing. So one of my sniff tests when I talk to an infrastructure provider that claims that they have the best AI algorithm. I always ask them, how big is that data lake? And there are only a few infrastructure providers that really have massive data lakes like the Cisco's and the Aruba's of the world. But truly, from my perspective, the demonstrable impact of AI on infrastructure will be around self-healing and a quality of service and that sort of thing. And like you mentioned, that ripples down to device performance as well. And I will mention Huawei for a moment. They have been a leader in the past in integrating AI 
into a lot of their SOCs and their chip sites on the phone level to do it's really basic things like their mate products where they were able to determine as a user, were you more email client intensive or were you more browser intensive? and adjust the performance accordingly. I'm going to toss that out there to you. Do you see any other phone manufacturers like Samsung or Apple going in that direction? The way I look at it is everybody's doing it. Yeah. I think there's varying degrees of AI. I think Google is way out far ahead of everybody on their implementation of AI. Yeah. I think Qualcomm is doing a lot to try and enable their OEMs to do more especially in hardware with APIs and stuff like that. But I think yeah. Google's by far and away ahead of everyone in their capabilities. And I think you'll see more and more companies taking advantage of the hardware capabilities, especially this year. Yeah. Actually, this was something that I said would be a trend at CES. So I was a little early, but I have a lot of visibility into a lot of different companies and I've have the experience to know that like when something is starting and the AI trend is really becoming something tangible because the hardware and the APIs are there. But I would say Samsung has tried for many years to make Bixby an assistant and have an intelligent AI on your smartphone. But if you look at what's going on in like all of these smartphone cameras, every camera uses AI. There isn't a smartphone camera out there that doesn't use AI. Right. Whether it's for photo or video, that's a standard thing. That's actually been going on for years. Yeah. It's very lightly marketed, but I'm sure that marketing will get pushed forward as far as possible because they don't have an AI story outside of voice recognition and camera. That's what they're going to push as their AI story. But I think there's a lot more that can be done with device intelligence, anticipating the user's needs, making sure that they have the best user experience catered to their needs. Yeah, I agree. Very well said, my friend. It's been a different podcast this week, but we're going to, we decided to try something different. I think it's been a really engaging conversation, but for our viewers and listeners, tune in next week because Anshul and I will be at Mobile World Congress and beautiful Barcelona sharing our live tweets and our insights. But with that said, my friend, why don't you take us home? Absolutely. We hope our viewers and listeners found this week's topics interesting. If anyone would like to provide insights for a specific 5G topic for a future podcast, please reach out to us on social media. Will is at Will Soundsag, and I'm at Archel Sog. We hope you have a great weekend, and please tune in again next week, where we'll be coming to you from Barcelona. And don't forget to rate us and subscribe as well. Thank you.